$80 billion a year is spent in America on lottery tickets. Nobody spends anything on friends. That's more money than Starbucks, Burger King, Taco Bell, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Why do I learn a skill? Why do I promote myself? People spend almost nothing to promote themselves. My PhD daddy says, what do you think I am, made of money? I can't afford that. And your rich dad used to say what instead of I can't afford it? How can I afford it? 24 hours in the day where you're alone in this brain. At 13 years old, I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a kill list, Street and Smith basketball rankings. And I was nowhere to be found. So I was like 57 on the list. And so I will look at 56, 55, all the way up to number one, who these players are. So when we go on an AAU travel circuit, hunt them down and knock them down. How can I do that? What would it take? Or why should I do that? Your brain is the only thing you have when you're going through depression, hard times, you're going through death, real life shit. While everybody else is, you know, partying it up Saturday, you know, whether they won or lost, you know, they're all having a good time eating pizza, doing this. I'm thinking about how I'm going to get better. A question opens a mind, a statement closes the mind. See, when you say, I can't afford it, your mind shuts down. They become what you say. Don't toot your own horn. Uh, be seen and not heard. Don't show off. Don't be a braggart. Don't talk about yourself. Don't get so much attention. We're told this as little kids. Fly under the radar. If you, if you get too big, you're going to get attacked. Nobody's telling us, get so big that no attack can bother you. I realize if I keep going back and going back and going back until this just becomes, your mind will say, okay. We're going to figure it out. It'll find a way. Because he is not going to stop. It was just about money. It's like this money just sits here. What is it? It's just pieces of paper. Somebody decided on the colors, the values. Somebody put a little stamp on it. A lot of work went into like make, making me believe this is somehow valuable. And, and today I just know that, like man, until this starts moving around, it's not valuable. People are way more valuable. Right. And yes, it, and yet it tricks most of the masses it, into thinking. It tricked me for years. Right, they got to hold it in the account, and it's a security, and let's yeah. worry about the rainy day, and yeah, yeah, it exactly. Kind of keeps this whole class of population down. Yeah, yeah, save the money, save the pennies. You know, now I'm like, I don't want to save it. I want to use it. Right. You know, so like, if you ask me today, hey, would you would you rather have a billion dollars, one billion dollars, you have thirty seconds to make decision, or one billion friends, which would you take? He said, nobody in his history of coaching had your level of work ethic. I mean, you hear so many, William, so many guys tell stories about your work ethic. Yeah. What was really your work ethic like, and for how long did you stay disciplined? Um, well, I mean, I mean, every day. I mean, since you know, 20 years. I mean, it was an everyday process and trying to figure out strengths and weaknesses. For example, jumping ability. Man, my vertical was a 40. It wasn't a 46 or a 40, mm -hmm. 45. Um, my hands are big, but they're not massive, right? So you got to figure out ways to strengthen them so your hands are strong enough to be able to palm a ball and do the things that you need to do. Uh, quickness, I was quick, but not insanely quick. I was fast, but not ridiculously fast, right? So I had to rely on skill a lot more. I had to rely on angles a lot more. I had to study the game a lot more. And, uh, but I enjoyed it though. So like from the time I was, I can remember when I started watching the game, I studied the game mm. and it just never changed. Technical question here. Let's sure. see how you can answer this. 
who would Shaq be if he had your work ethic? He'd be the greatest of all time. If Shaq had your work ethic, he'd be the greatest of all greatest time. Greatest of all time by For sure. He, he'd be the first to tell you that. For sure. I mean, this guy was a, a force. Like, I have never seen. I mean, it was crazy. You know, a guy at that size. Generally, guys at that size are a little timid and they don't want to be tall. They don't want to be big. Man, this dude was, he did not care. He was mean. He was nasty. He was competitive. He was vindictive. I mean, he was, yeah. I wish he was in the gym. I would have had 12 rings. If you had the work ethic. My God, yeah. We ain't be close. And anyone that ever read a Flex magazine, especially with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Joe Weider was always there. Always there. Well, as he got older, he's no longer with us as of today, but that was the last photo shoot that he would have with all of the athletes. And it was the first time since those days of Arnold that Flex magazine athletes, muscular development athletes, which was a rival magazine, still is, all came together. So it would almost be like DC and Marvel coming together for Stan Lee and having a wow. photo shoot. So that's kind of like yeah. what it was. Um, I was there two hours before the photo shoot. Reporters come in. They're like, why, why are you here? I'm training legs. Now, I just lost 26 pounds. Competed this and that and the other. And I'm talking about 26 pounds in one day. And competed. While everybody else is, you know, partying it up Saturday, you know, whether they won or lost, you know, they're all having a good time eating pizza, doing this. I'm thinking about how I'm going to get better. I said, you know what? I'm going to get my ass up. I'm going to go to the gym. I go to the gym. Reporters are like, why are you here? And why are you training legs of all things? You're depleted. You're this. And I said, I got fifth last night. They're like, yeah, but you, you know, you got sick. You know, it happens. This, you know, you got fifth in the world. It's not that bad. You're the youngest pro on the circuit. I said, you know what? That's cool that you say that, but I, I, I don't, I'm very stubborn. And I want to train so hard that I'm trying to make a compelling argument with God in the universe that even if he says no, he's going to be like, well, I got to give it to him because he's just too damn stubborn. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Every day, suffering, being broken, duct taping my feet up, stress fractures, shin splints, being broken. This is my new norm. And your mind says, if we're not broken, this ain't normal. We got to be broken. So then your mind starts to get tougher and tougher and more cows. People, how how did you run on broken feet? Broken, broken shins. My mind knew this is how we operate. We're in we're in Navy SEAL training. This is what we are. I became hell. And that became my new norm. I gave myself no way out. There was nothing outside these walls of hell. Nothing. I became, I love God, but for a short period of time, I became the devil. Because that was hell. I became, I became the boss, the owner, the CEO of Navy SEAL training. That was my mindset. And that's how you get through things. You put yourself, you immerse yourself wherever it is, and you become that. They looked at the most successful men and women of the world, and they found that they had like seven, eight things in common. And one of the things they all had in common was a routine. Failing to prepare was preparing to fail. The night before a game, I ate the same food. I went to bed at the same time. I got up, I ate the same breakfast. So the routine and the preparation, some people call it superstition, but it's a routine. 
the stronger your mindset is, the greater your skill set is going to be. We remember the stuff we earn, the stuff we experience more than what the teacher tells us or what someone gives us for free. A company is simply a group of people. As a leader of people, you have to be a great listener, you have to be a great motivator, uh, you have to be very good at praising and looking for the best in people. You think, people, you think Warren Buffett reading just to be reading? The majority of you are poor because you read poor stuff. Everything was done to try to learn how to become a better basketball player. Everything. Everything. And so when you have that point of view, then literally the world becomes your library to help you to become better at your craft. It's what goes on between this ear and this ear and in our hearts that determine our lives out there. There's no, there's no world out there except what's going on here. I think it's important that you really like whatever you're doing. Uh, if, if you don't like it, life is too short. If I'm lying to you about who I am, or I'm lying to you about whatever, there's no starting point. There's a false reality. You have to create the real reality. It's a good separation for me, you know, emotionally, to be able to put myself in a place where at practice or when I'm training or during games, I switched my mind to something else. I became number one in the world. I became a millionaire not because I made more money. I became a millionaire because they told me millionaires only live off of 30% of their income. I became a millionaire because I did what millionaires did. I stopped living off 100%. What does it mean time is money, right? How do you multiply time? How do you buy time? Rich people buy time. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a convenient way to get more energy throughout my day. I hop out of bed in the morning, drink my AG1, and I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to get me ready for the day. I'm always on the go and love traveling with my AG1 because I don't have to worry about throwing my nutrition out of balance, no matter where I am. And I don't have to carry a medicine cabinet of pills and supplements in my suitcase to get the same benefits I get from one scoop of AG1 daily. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com buzz. Again, that is athleticgreens.com buzz to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Most of the people watching this thing should either not be in business if they've got one or close the f***er down if they got one. Because you got in business for all the wrong reasons and you don't have the balls to close them down because of what other people are going to say. You, don't ha you have no idea how um, limitless it is when you're not afraid of what other people think or say. You have no idea. There's not two people watching this thing that even has uh, a concept of what it is to act as if you have no limits to your abilities. Zero. I wrote a book in, uh, called The Millionaire Booklet. I wrote that book in two hours. It was translated to 38 languages for free because of my social, my social media standing around the world. I just asked a bunch of people, can you help me? 38 languages and literally in one month the whole book was produced, written, translated. Like you need friends. Counterintuitive, 50 page pamphlet type book yeah, you're yeah, making, not yeah. the New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Another contrarian idea. again again like like the book publishers you know they're they're dying they're 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 but come on man 
that's, you don't even, that's you, antiquated. That you don't even count digital downloads. Like, you, you, what's wrong with you? Guys? Right. So give them something they can read in a couple hours. Give them it took me 19 months to write my last book because of the publisher was involved. Okay, I'm not supposed to write a book while I'm writing a book, so I wrote a booklet. <laughs> okay, wrote the booklet in two hours. The booklet made more money in 19 days than the other book made in 19 months, and was translated translated in 38 languages. The other book that took 19 months, publishers, editors, you know, all this energy, all this wasted freaking energy and money, still hasn't been translated. So speed, see, I'm now back to how fast can I work? Compressed time. Time is money. Most people don't, don't even understand the concept. Like, what, what does that even mean? They say it, but they don't know what it means. Yeah. Oh, it's a cute saying. It's a perfect t-shirt. But they're not actually applying it to their life. No, they're like, what does that mean, man? What does it mean time is money, right? How do you multiply time? How do you buy time? Rich people buy time. Once said, words become flesh. Yep. You think people, you think Warren Buffett reading just to be reading? The majority of you are poor because you read poor stuff. You watch poor stuff. You on Instagram watching fights. <laughs> Bro, you just scrolling through like you ain't got a life. For real, some of y'all on Instagram, you on there for 30 minutes. If I ask you what you saw, you don't even know. You just scrolling through. That's a poverty mindset. Rich people don't waste time. They realize it's their most important commodity. They don't watch a lot of TV. They don't do a lot of entertainment. If they're not working, they're studying their craft and getting better at their craft. Oh, you okay, I'm sorry. Okay, let me say it one more time. There was a language that I needed to learn. Does it, does it mean I need to abandon the, learn, the language that I learned? Absolutely not. Does it mean I need to put on a shirt and tie? I, listen to me. When I do corporate, I promise you I look like this. I probably don't look this good. Sometimes I got on shorts and a t-shirt. In corporate, why? Because I don't need to necessarily conform. They're not asking me to come to dress up. But I'm so good at what I do, they don't even require a suit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us don't want to wear a suit, but you're not on that level though. Or you want to wear a suit and act as if your suit is going to compensate for what you are inferior at. Your suit, don't, your suit don't make your language sweet. For real, some of you wear suits because you think like you're going to impress somebody with a suit and you might get in the door, but sooner or later they're going to find out who you are. So I need you to stop having the poverty mindset. So when I quit my job to be an entrepreneur, my mom was like, whoa, what are you doing? I was like, I'm quitting. My mom was like, don't you dare quit. You're going to embarrass me. You got a wife and kids. Does YouTube have insurance? Does YouTube have a 401k? And I was like, yo, ma, I ain't trying to be funny and I ain't trying to be disrespectful. I love you, but you can't teach me how to be a millionaire because you're not one. You come from the working class and I'm not mad at you, ma. We wouldn't be where we are without you. But you told me that every generation is supposed to get better. So I'll take your values, but I won't take your work ethic. Because rich people don't work, they think. The working class will never get rich. It wasn't designed. Oh, yeah. okay. Listen to me. This country became a wealthy country because they had employees they didn't have to pay. That's not, that's not, that's not like a rocket science. 
So when this country had to start paying people, they want to pay the least. The 3% that run the world, they're not trying. Let me, let me tell you how I know. I'm from Detroit. We just laid off 15,000 workers, and the president of GM, she just got $22 million. We got $22 million to give one person when we laid off 15,000 people, and we took their health care that's already paid for. No disrespect to nobody, and I ain't playing no victim because I'm not a victim. Rich people don't work, they think. Poor people work. Poor people go, clock in, I make this much an hour. Rich people go, I put them to work, and I make this much an hour. See, what happens is you're working for you and your family, one, they got 40 of you working at one time. So they're giving you 20% and then they're keeping the 80% off of 15,000 people. That's enough to have $22 million. So what you have to decide is, are you going to keep being the 99% or are you ready to be a part of the 1%? Because it doesn't make a difference where you come from high school dropout. It doesn't make a difference where you come from GED. It doesn't make a difference where you come from sleeping in abandoned buildings. It doesn't make a difference where you come from a 17-year-old mom that got pregnant. It doesn't make a difference where you come from south side of Chicago. It doesn't make a difference where you come from pretty much raised in Detroit. It doesn't make a difference where you come from took 12 years to get a four-year degree. It doesn't take a, make a difference. Well, you know what makes a difference? What makes a difference is when you become a 99% or a 1%. And when I start thinking like, acting like, and behaving like a one percenter, everything changed. Is that clear? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? I can tell you this, it is not for the faint in heart. It is only for the brave, the courageous, the calculated. Entrepreneurship is reserved for the resilient. Don't even step on the playing field if you have not counted up the cost of entrepreneurship. So there are two sides to the coin of entrepreneurship. There's heads and there's tails. And most people fail to see tails. They see heads, the face of it. They live on the surface, the lights, the cameras, the action, the yachts, the fame. But they don't see the blood, the sweat, the tears. Anybody that is willing to make the sacrifices, they stay up late, they work longer, they are more focused, pay the price and get the job done and finish what they started. Those are the ones who will succeed. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to need to lead. The world needs more creative, resilient, passionate, committed, focused, disruptive entrepreneurs. The last thing we need is somebody to come along with another good idea, but they don't have the passion, the perseverance, and the grit to get the job done. We don't need another person that's going to start something and quit in six months. Don't tell me! You want to step into a room and dominate if you don't have passion. 
Don't tell me that you want to be a disruptive entrepreneur and you want to step into a room with a new idea and challenge and change the status quo and you don't have passion. Right now you may be in pain. Right now you may be hurting. But if you have vision, you are able to see past the pain and look into the eyes of the future. Your perspective can either become your prison or your passport. It can either arrest you or release you. In 1903, it was the Wright brothers that defied the laws of gravity. And if you know anything about gravity, gravity will pull you down and keep you down. It will stop you from flight. It will stop you in your tracks. If you believe in something, metaphorically speaking, gravity will hold you down, it will hold you back, and it will dare you to fight. Your perspective can either be your prison or your plane. I don't know about you, but today, I made the decision to defy the laws of gravity. The first successful heavier-than-air powered aircraft was designed and built by the Wright brothers. They flew it four times on December 17, 1903, near Keel Devil Hills, about four miles. I believe possibility is destiny, and it is fear that keeps us arrested and apprehended by the spirit of impossibility. I'm gonna tell you this right now, and nobody else is gonna tell you this. Impossible is a spirit, and you've got to arrest that spirit or it will arrest you. Impossibility is like a soda fountain, the easy way out, the path of least resistance because to say something is impossible, to give up, to cop out, to fill your cup of carbonated excuses. It tastes good, but it doesn't sit well as it goes down into your system. To remove the two letters is the grit of existence, the binding faith of hope to your chest and letting your heart beat. You gotta rewrite the code, you gotta rewrite the script. Calling all reformers, I'm calling all innovators, I'm calling all game changers, I'm calling all world shakers, I'm calling all city shifters, I'm calling everybody that has an inkling of faith in themselves, I'm calling everybody. You will inherit the future! If you're not where you want to be financially, if you're not where you want to be emotionally, if you're not where you want to be physically, relationally, socially, 10 times out of 10, it is because you have settled in a place called convenience. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to admit the fact that you've gotten lazy. I'm going to tell you this right now. Some praise can be poison. It keeps you locked in a state of paralysis and you shining trophies from the past. And that's why you always hear those people from the past like, yeah, remember back in the day when I used to do this, remember back in the day, they're still shining the trophy of the past accomplishments. So sometimes we can, we can receive praise like a venomous snake that injects its poisonous venom in our veins and in our heart that causes us to stay locked in a state of paralysis 
and I'm still praising the work I've done. And we get full. We get real full. This is what happens when people keep telling you, you're so good. Oh, you're so great. Or you did so good 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago. If you continue to believe that your best work is behind you, then you will never achieve what is ahead of you. Go ask any athlete, actor, musician, philanthropist, athlete, it doesn't matter. You ask anybody who is a champion. And the difference between them and their opponent is they were more hungry for it. I don't care if you gotta listen to me a thousand times, I need you to get crystal clear about your future. Because the only reason why you are here, the only reason why you're alive, is because you have work to do. And you gotta figure out why on earth are you here? What is your destiny? What is the dream that God has given you? You gotta have like a shark mentality because if a shark swims backward, it dies. A shark can only move forward. And so I need you every single day you wake up to smell blood and go after that dream. If there's anything I can pour from my heart, if there's anything I can give you in this moment, my greatest piece of advice is to protect your hunger. You show me a man who is failing and I will prove to you that he is no longer hungry. When you are hungry, you are creative. When you are hungry, you are innovative. When you are hungry, when you are no longer full, when you are no longer satisfied with where you are and you raise your standards, it is only then that you can have your future. If you can stay hungry, you can get the resources. If you can stay hungry, you can get the strategy. If you can stay hungry, the ideas gonna come. If you can stay hungry, the connections will be aligned. If you can stay hungry. The problem with many of you is that you got full. You got complacent. You got lazy. Somewhere along the line, you lost your enthusiasm, your optimism. You lost your hunger. I'm never full. I'm never full. I'm never full. I'm never full. If you want your future, then you are going to have to get acquainted with pain, with discomfort, with inconvenience. Because hunger is the only thing that's going to give you the power to persevere through that pain. Never stop climbing the hill! There is always another hill to climb. Go find your hill and climb. You got to be hungry for your dream. You got to be hungry for your next level. You got to be hungry for connection and alignment. You have to be hungry to fulfill your destiny. Hunger is not an idea. Hunger is not a mood. Hunger is a lifestyle. I'm never full. This is me every day, all day. I'm hungry to learn. You got to be hungry to read. You have to be hungry to grow. You have to be hungry to manifest what is in your head. When you're full, you can't receive. When you're full, you lose vision. When you're full, you get lazy. When you're full, you procrastinate. When you're full, you sleep. And I need you to get to the place where you're no longer sleeping. I need inconvenience to be your new norm. If you're not inconvenienced every day, every day, you need to be inconvenienced. 
every day I need you out of your comfort zone if you're going to win the fight for your future if you want generational cycles broken in your family if you want to be the first to achieve the first to get it done the first to see it the first to do it you must stay hungry